Good morning. Hope you guys are doing well. I was just getting the room tweeted out. So special good morning to Swati. Great to have you guys. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Swati. Hi, Jaden. Good morning. Did you did you know that it's Swati's birthday today? I was just catching <laughs> up on that. Happy birthday, Swati. Oh my, I had no idea. No clue. That thank you. Thank you. So, <laughs> thank you. So, I'm so glad nobody's here except the four of us. <laughs> Oh my god, I was just freaking out because Sarah said we'll make a big deal. I'm like, oh my god, no, no, no. Okay, so we finish that now. Thank you. Well, you know what, Spotty? That's something that you share with my sister. It's so cool. Oh, like that was so a really surprising. Yeah. <laughs> Can you please wish her on my behalf? I definitely will. Thank, Thank you. you so much. And I know she'll extend the same to you for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much. I think you Harini are said, I'm, I'm pretty sure Harini said she's going to sing when she comes in here. So you're not escaping <laughs> birthday celebration. Just saying. We have an important thing to discuss today. <laughs> think you're pretty important too, Swati, so. <laughs> oh, so nice. Thank you. You guys make me feel so good. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope you have just the best day ever. So I'm glad that you're kicking it off with us this morning. So hope it's a very, very special one. Thank you. And, and also, you know, it means the world because... This is the first time that I'm not going to get a call from either of my parents. So it means so much that I have this big family now. And uh, yeah, it, it just means a lot. Thank you. Absolutely. Definitely sending you lots of love and lots of hugs. So that makes it, yes, we definitely are there with you. <laughs> and we've got Harini joining us too. And I also want to say hi to Pam and Stephanie who have joined us on the stage. Um, good morning, everyone. And hello. Hi, Harini. Hi, guys. Good morning. Happy birthday, Swati. Thank you. <laughs> How are you feeling? Thank you so much. Now you're going to <laughs> I'm not feeling good. I'm just... <laughs> Oh, poor thing. Get well soon. Yeah, I just had to scream even though if I get coughing. Oh but my I god. And then we have a plan. Veda said, do not wish her before me, mommy. I want to sing happy birthday too. So sorry for cheating, but I had to. Okay, listen, you can't do this. It's a very important space today. We'll do it offline, Harini. I know, I know. But come on, I, I think uh, Emma and Sarah both would agree. It's Swati's birthday and she's part of Meta Jungle oh fan. So we celebrate oh. your birthday, even though we embarrass you, but we love you. So sorry, not sorry. <laughs> she just took over, Emma. <laughs> she took over. I'm so sorry. Hi, Emma. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Jaden. Hi, Michael. Hey, Pam. Hey, and so many friends. Hello, everyone. And see, like, I have coughing and everything, whatever, but I'm so excited to see all of you that I was like, even though if I cough, like, I had to go at least for a few minutes and, and just greet everyone. And Sarah, remember I showed you the screenshot? Every time I write GM, my keyboard shows uh, Sarah after that. So, 
Uh, I'm not sure why, but every time I write GM to anyone, it auto detects that I'm saying GM to Sarah. I think that's uh, that's awesome and hilarious at the same time. But I'm so happy to be here and just hearing Emma's voice and everyone's voice. I just, I just, it, it, and finally kids gone, so I can be in space, talk and listen and everything. But I won't because of coughing. But I'm listening. I'm just so happy to be here today. We are very happy to have you with us, um, Harini, and very, very happy to have you this morning. And sorry that you're not feeling well, but hope you are getting better. So um, it's great to have you able to be active again, because I know that we've, we've missed you so much. So, and I don't know, Sarah might have been tweeting out the room, but uh, Sarah, if you have anything you'd like to mention, you're welcome to. And also, I will remind everybody, we do have the space pinned to the top. So if you guys can tweet it out, and we'll get some more folks in here as we are getting um, started this morning. We're going to be talking about the pros and cons of open editions. So looking forward to that. But over to you, Sarah. Hi. Yes, I was tweeting out the room. And um, what was I going to say? I just have to change the title of the, the title in the name of the space because it actually goes to a different Sarah Lindsay. Apparently, there's another one. <laughs> Which is funny because I, I have an underscore underneath mine. So I don't want to confuse people. Okay, there we go. Um, yeah, I was thinking. Good grief, Sarah. I'm, gonna pitch I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I was thinking. Um, I was thinking maybe we're going to talk about open editions. Maybe I'll put that in the title, and then people will know. Oh, we're getting a like a full house in here, which is awesome. Um, that will be the topic today. So if anybody, please come up and chat with us because we want to learn more about open editions and all the pros and the cons. So it's just, it's just helps, especially me. I'm very, very interested in it. It helps me move forward. So yeah, feel free, come on up and join in the conversation. And that is something that is funny about Twitter space titles. When you're creating a Twitter space, it does not um, give you that suggestion when you are starting to type in. Um, so that always makes it a little bit, um, yeah, a little, I don't know why it does it that way, but um, it does change things up a little bit. But yes, we can definitely yeah. do that. And it, yeah. takes a, it takes a while. Every time I make a space, like if we're doing an artist interview, you have to put a multiple names in it. I always am having to like look back, save the space as a draft and come back and edit it. I wish it would give you the, like the name would just come up when you start typing it. A hundred percent. Man, I tell you what, Twitter should just have some of us sit down with them and give them suggestions. We could help them improve so much and little tiny, tiny little things to make it so much better. <laughs> But definitely looking forward to our topic this morning. And um, I think, too, if there's anyone in the room that has done an open edition, um, definitely welcome to come up and um, share your experience, kind of your motivation. Um, but I know that, you know, one of the reasons that we hear people doing open editions, um, which I guess, too, we should probably define an open edition. Um, and so I think, I think my understanding um, is that 
for an edition, instead of determining it's going to have 10 or 15 or 20 pieces or 100 pieces, that we you actually um, allow it to be open. And so you might set a time period, but basically as many people want to mint during a time period um, as they can. And um, that kind of sets the quantity as either when the period ends or um, when it actually closes, that's when that's when you have your full number of editions, which is definitely a different um, a different perspective than what a lot of people, um, you know, than what we were doing at the beginning of edition season. Um, it'll be interesting looking back to see how editions have progressed over the last few months um, for uses and that sort of thing. And, and we've heard a lot with editions about the use of editions being to extend your collector base, to be able to broaden your, um, you know, those wallets that your art is held in um, and many other reasons. But um, for open editions, that is something we're starting to see more of. And so, um, and I guess, does anyone else have a, a different understanding or definition for open editions? Well, um, there's a lot that I don't know about open editions. So again, I'm really looking forward to hearing what people have to say about it, about them. But when I was just in, the other day, I went into three like in real life art galleries and I was, you know, seeing how they, you know, how they sell their prints and stuff and they do open editions with their prints and it's, but it's only a certain size. It was a five by seven. And it was interesting because there was no end to it until the, like it was always an open edition. They would constantly reprint until they noticed that the print ended up losing like its popularity and that's when they would pull it. So that was interesting to learn, but of course that's physical prints, but that's as far as my, my knowledge goes. So yeah, anybody that has, is there, if there's anybody in here that has done an open edition, would love to have you come up and share your experience of doing it here. I've done an open edition, or well, I guess I just launched one, um, like I think last week, but yeah, so I'm giving it a try. Uh, I think I've had, had eight minted so far, so it's gone pretty decently, um, but yeah, mine's just open. It's open forever. Um, people can mint an unlimited amount, um, and I priced it pretty cheap, um, but I just wanted to do it, obviously, to introduce like new people um, to my work and give maybe other people, um, other photographer friends a chance to own a piece. Um, but I'm also going to do something a little different and add utility to mine. Um, so anyone that gets one will have early access to like my future collection drops and my one of ones. Um, and I'm trying to work on some other utility, um, too, besides just that. And then every couple of months, I'm going to do like a special airdrop of a one of one to someone that's collected it. So I was trying to go a little bit of a different route, um, I guess. Um, just to make it different but I do think they're a good idea especially for some maybe some more of like the um, established artists that are selling for the two three eat you know volume you know like Sarah I think it's a great way to have your friends own a piece of your work and also get like new people to see your work you know that may have not have seen it before so I think they're a great idea and even for up-and-coming artists um, I think they can be a great idea just to introduce um, people to your work and like who you are and all that so Yeah, so I was chatting with, I've, at some point I would love to do to do one, but 
I know like the path here that I chose for myself. So I want to make sure as I'm learning, because I, I do still feel like I'm learning a lot about selling art. Um, I want to, you know, make sure I know the impact that an open edition would have overall on my end, like my NFT photography journey. And I do see it as a great way to broaden the audience, but I have, have for myself, I have wondered if like, say I'm selling at a much higher price with my one of ones, if, you know, an open edition might be a little bit too much, like it's just too open to everybody. So th those are the questions that I have. And I know that um, Victoria has her hand up and I must, um, so I'm guessing with coming up you that she would like to join in the conversation. So we'll go to Victoria and then we'll go to Arwen. Um, good morning, Victoria, glad you're with us today. Good morning. Thank you. Um, can you guys hear me? Okay. I'm driving. So hopefully it's all right. Um, yeah, I wanted to weigh in a little bit. I, um, I'm on ETH and I'm on Tez and I've never done an addition on ETH. I've always been doing additions on Tez. So I guess I kind of felt like I didn't need to do it on ETH. Um, but I've done, uh, a couple like pretty large additions uh, this summer on Tez that were like 100 plus. And then recently I did an open edition where we we minted a thousand knowing like we wouldn't sell that much in a 24 hour period. And then we told everyone we'll burn whatever's left after this time. So the, that was an open edition. We could have done it like a mint right from the website, but we had reasons that we didn't want to do that. So here's what I'll here's what I'll say about it. Um, I would actually be very hesitant to do it on Ethereum versus Tez. The main reason is the Tezos community is very small and we kind of like self-regulate, meaning if you do shitty things, uh, we're going to know about it and you're going to get called out. Whereas like Ethereum, you have a lot more people who are collecting for, financial reasons only they don't care about artists um and you definitely especially if you're a more popular artist you risk getting a lot of them i actually saw a post um by like a popular photographer recently who did have an open edition saying that he had just bought back a whole bunch of his editions to try to get the floor up and the damn flippers immediately brought it right back down to the bottom and it was just like pointless for him to have even done that so I worry that uh, there's too many like uh, collectors on ETH that are just there to speculate uh, and they'll treat your edition like they would treat a PFP project once they realize it's not going to like moon, you know, the next day. Um, so that's why I kind of haven't, whereas on Tezos, not to say that there aren't some dicks who will do that, there are, but it's a lot less. Um, and in my experience, it's been... Uh, a good way to uh, get my work in the hands of people who otherwise wouldn't be able to get it, like my artist friends, um, and also have more access to collectors, uh, mostly because all the artists are collecting over there because we can afford to. So um, artists actually make really good collectors overall because they tend to really value art, right? Uh, not to say that other people don't, but we all know there's like a whole PFP collector base that isn't, you know, there to appreciate the art. They're there to make money. So, um, yeah, my open edition went really well. 
I have like a high profile though on Tezos. Um, and there was a lot more to it than just like a photograph. It was, it was a very community driven piece. So it made sense to let the community decide where it was going to land. Um, cause there's like a voting control and all this stuff involved in it. But I think too, if you are going to do an open edition, you definitely want to recognize that you might be not making much money off it. Um, cause you don't really know how it's going to go. So it can be risky. I know even me minting like a hundred editions scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I was really nervous that they wouldn't sell. Um, and yeah, it's something you want to be careful with for sure. Those are some excellent points, Victoria, and really appreciate because you definitely brought up, you know, one of the things that I think um, is comes to mind is what happens after the fact, um, you know, and, and how to manage that and what the plan is um, for the long term. And it's great to hear from your, your personal experience. Um, do you know how many ended up minting in the open mint or the open or being collected, I should say? Yeah, I think we ended up around 240 um, for that first edition. Um, uh, we're going to be doing another one before Halloween. The, the thing is, though, it's like a, it's a very uh, complicated piece that a lot of people didn't understand. But I, I'm hoping now that they do understand it, it will maybe have a larger edition. I don't know, maybe people will be tired of it. It's, it's hard to say. But I will say that me and my collaborator, uh, who's a dev on Tezos, we didn't do this for money and because it's a collaboration uh i wasn't worried about it like affecting you know my personal floor or what like whatever happened happened and i wasn't gonna be upset about it so uh the i i guess i did an open edition one other time that was a piece that was solely for ukraine like i was donating all of it so also in that respect i was like well it's a little bit different than the usual um, so I was willing to take the risk on that too, but yeah, I would be very careful, uh, with something that's more straightforward. I guess I didn't do open editions. I minted like, uh, I think I did an edition of a hundred and a hundred and eleven, um, minted them and sold them out, you know, within that 24 hour period or less. Um, so I knew I could do a hundred. I didn't know if we could do more, but we did. So I was super happy with that. Very good. Very good. And it definitely sounds like deciding what your goals are to know whether, you know, you're feeling like it's successful is a good first step is making sure you know what, you know, why you're doing it. If it's to expand reach, if it's to make money, like what your actual point of doing the open edition is um, before moving forward and then having kind of an understanding of what that expectation could be. Yeah, 100 percent. And I think like one other really important thing to mention is that if you are going to do an open edition or a really large edition, um, you really want to make that your best work that you've got, like really strong, because you have to realize that this is something that's probably going to be the most active in your portfolio. It's the thing that's going to be popping up on Twitter the most. It's going to be the thing. It's going to be like your calling card, your business card. So if you put up, a, if you're like, oh, I don't really care about this piece, whatever happens, happens, um, you might live to regret that later on when that's kind of what you're known for. 
Excellent point. I couldn't agree more. That's yeah, definitely a great consideration um, because definitely don't let the initial um, that it may be a free edition or a low price edition. Don't let that dictate um, the actual quality of the piece that you'll be releasing because yes, definitely looking at the how many people will be seeing it. So excellent point for sure. Thank you so much for your feedback, Victoria. I think both of I think everything you've brought up has been really helpful for people as they're evaluating this topic. Yes, I was going to say, yes, thank, thank you, Victoria, for uh, that was really helpful. Just hearing from people who have done open editions, I find that I learned so much from it. Um, I don't, I, I think it was Arwen that was, yeah, it was Arwen that was next. Hi, how is everyone? Happy Friday. Um, so I haven't done an open edition and I, what I wanted to say was kind of a follow up on what you said, Sarah, um, which is about when I raised my hand. Um, and the reason I haven't done one is because, let me figure out how to say this. Um, I like the idea that it will get your name out more and it will kind of promote, you know, help to promote you more. Um, but on the other hand, I kind of like having a small collector group. I mean, of course, I want it to keep growing, but I'm just not sure I want it to be quite so large as an open edition might make it. Um, because I kind of feel like you, I can build a better relationship with the people who have collected from me, you know, having a smaller group of people to interact with. But I know that, you know, it will continue to get larger over time, but I see it more as a more slow growth, you know, rather than getting all these new collectors at once. And also I'm kind of along the same lines where I just like, I think you have a much larger portfolio than me, but I have a relatively small portfolio. Um, and so, you know, I don't have a ton of photos to sell. So I'm also going for the, you know, a little bit higher priced and a little bit less photos available. But on the other hand, um, you could do an open edition and have it be a little bit higher priced. Like some artists have done that, you know, at like 0.1 or, I mean, a, you know, a little bit higher than some people are doing. A lot of people are doing under 0.1, right? Um, and then you're probably going to sell less of them. So, you know, an open edition isn't the same as a free mint. A free mint, obviously, you're doing free and you're going to get a ton of people doing it. But in open edition, you can decide on which price you want to um, do it at. And that'll kind of limit, you know, the number of people who will get it, I would think, if it's a little bit higher priced. So I guess it does depend on your goal. You know, do you want to have something that... Um, you know, is available to anyone who wants to get it, but maybe limit the number by having the price a little higher? Or do you want everyone to get it so you'll have a really low price? Um, and one thing I mean, I like about not doing an open edition is I know if I release an edition of say 20 or 30, that it will sell out because there's enough people who, you know, want my photography and don't have it. Whereas I feel like, if I released an open edition, 
then whoever wanted it would get it. And then they'd be like, okay, I already have a piece of Arwen's. You know, I probably don't really, you know, they, of course they'll like my next edition, but there's other people on their list that they don't have a piece from yet that they would probably buy first. Um, so that's another thought I had. I have thought about this a lot, both the open edition and the free mint as to whether it kind of figures in with what I'm doing. And I kind of decided at least at this point that it doesn't, but maybe in the future, I would change my mind. I am pretty much the same as you are. And I have the exact same thoughts. And you said something that is really interesting to me. So I think about this a lot as well. Like you prefer right now to just have this smaller collector base. Okay. And I've, I've also what like, especially what you just said about connect, like connecting with them. So obviously, you know, we have these relationships with them, but if you open, you know, do an open edition and then a bunch of people swarm in, I would like worry that there's this expectation that you have to connect with every single person who's like purchased from you. And that's obviously just not manageable. So maybe like moving forward, people that co collect into an open edition, that is um, a obviously a lower price. You know, they wouldn't really interact with us in the same way as say, our, uh, you know, I, main collector that obviously spends a bit more I, I feel like I would spend more time connecting and engaging with them if that makes sense so I've, I've had those thoughts as well and just how it would fit with with my journey I'm really trying to learn all about open editions in in the art world just so I fully understand like how it would affect me long term and I actually like how you brought up you know maybe having an open edition but selling it at a bit higher a price like 0.1 instead of 0 0.001 because it would you know still keep that number small but it is low enough to allow people to jump in I completely agree. And it is um, definitely good to look at those different considerations. I can think of a few artists, you know, off the top of my head that have done that, that, that approach. And even if they're doing it for a celebration or for, you know, something that is significant, even having it available for a set amount of time um, and then closing, because then you still could end up with the potential of having, um, you know, what's considered more of a limited edition or a small amount, um, minted or collected and um but yet you know doesn't have to leave it open for that time period so um barry sutton is one i can think of right away that um he did a special open edition for um the the merge and um you know and ended up with like 20 pieces collected so now that's one of i think that's his only limited edition that he has available um so you know as that builds long term um it could go ahead and you know be something that we see increase in value and the people that really wanted it it was priced at point one so people that um you know were strong collectors or really wanted a piece of his work with his floor being at four ETH, you know was a great entry point so um it's not something that you know, as we are looking at goals for long term, it's something that doesn't necessarily have a huge um, collector base. He did another free mint a little, a few weeks before that. Um, and it, I think, ended up having 250 collected because it was a free mint. Um, and I think it was set at 250. So in just off the top of my head, that's just one example out of many um, 
that kind of kind of relates to that particular conversation. Um, but I'm glad that Walid has joined us too because I know he has done a lot on this on this particular topic as well. So um, Walid would love to hear from you. Hello. Hey guys, how you doing? Yeah, I, I just wanted to, to say something about Freemans uh, and even uh, open editions with a really really low price, uh, especially if you're uh, if you're gonna paint it from your website if you have. Uh, you know, if you do like a manifold page where, you know, you, you people go click and mint. Uh, what ended up happening with me is uh, I think the, the bots got me, right? So I don't think I know a thousand people in the space that would buy from me, but I ended up with a thousand editions sold. Uh, not sold, sorry, free minted. And uh, I think I, I would say probably maybe I know 100, 150, maybe 200 of these people. But the rest of the 800, I have no idea who they are. And they're, they're, when I check the accounts, they're, they look like PFP flippers that just have bots uh, doing the work for them. So just just uh, you know, be aware of that. If you are doing a, 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 an open edition or a free mint, you know, do put the price up a little bit where, where it's not worth it for the bot to keep buying your stuff over and over and over every five minutes. That is a great point for sure, and that is definitely the possibility there, um, because once yeah, once it's collected or once it's um, purchased, then there's there there isn't as much control over what happens at that point. Um, and I guess we'll lead to: Have you done any with yours where you've actually um, you used a burn mechanism after the fact to decrease the supply? I did not. I uh, I was uh, I wanted to look into that, but I think time got away from me. I, I don't know how to do that, and I don't know you know what the reward mechanism would be for burning. So yeah, please like if, if you know anything, please enlighten me, and I'd I'd love to to do that. I know that that's something the first person in the space that I've really seen do it on a large scale, or um, you know that's been. I guess maybe just on my radar has been um, Guido with his Sicilian kiss, which was a, a large open edition that he did and had thousands and thousands collected. Um, and then he's now introduced the opportunity where um, you can actually burn a set number of that particular edition to receive another edition. So almost like creating a currency with his editions. Um, and so for the Sicilian kiss that will, since it, there will be no more released, he's actually burning that supplier and incentivizing people to burn that edition to receive other artwork within his ecosystem. Um, um, and so it's definitely an interesting way of, you know, creating that dynamic and creating that tradability and appreciation within his his own art ecosystem. Um, but definitely some other opportunities for that. And I know then it's figuring out the, the actual mechanics of how to burn it. Um, so I think there's a few different applications, but was just curious if that was something that you had um, implemented, because I know that you are up on a lot of the, the technology side of different opportunities. So um, interested to hear just um, if that's something that you might look at in the future as well. Definitely in the back of my mind, uh, you know, I, I, I do want to do something around that. I just recently started to see the, the, um, the additions start to move on secondary. Uh, I think over the last maybe week, there, was a, there were a few collected, so the floor price started to rise. Um, so, you know, I, I, I am looking at like, what can I do with this collection of a thousand additions? Uh, and yeah, that, that bird mechanism is, is on my mind. I just kind of need to 
sit down and uh, and, and see, you know, technically, you know, what, what are the mechanics that I can do. Very cool. Very cool. And um, I also definitely think that reiterating what Victoria had mentioned and even in the, the effect of making sure that your addition is visible is making sure that you're treating it just like, you know, any other piece that you would create, making sure that the quality is there, but also the I think the recognition is there, the visibility that sometimes I see people maybe not, you know, include the link in their link tree or just being able to find it as easily. And I think that that might be something just to keep in mind is making sure it's there because you may have that opportunity on secondary and have that ability for people that are um, coming into, you know, learning about your art or learning about you, that it's a very, you know, they may not have the liquidity to invest in a, in a larger piece or even, you know, starting to get to know the artist and a, a low risk entry point um, if for maybe lack of better terms, but um, somewhere where they feel really comfortable that they start then collecting additional pieces, but making sure that it's very, very easy to find those opportunities, even if it's already, um, if you've met your quota or you've, you know, uh, the full amount has been collected regardless of how you introduce that. Um, but also, you know, deciding the amount of um, time that you spend with with marketing it, but definitely making it easy to find to see those secondary sales. But a thousand is a lot, Wally. That's great. Yeah, I'm not, I haven't, I haven't decided if that's great or not, you know what I mean? Is, is it great because it's a big number, number or, or is it not great? great? Most of it is bots, right? So, uh, you know, I, I'm happy and unhappy. I'm happy that it's that, that you know, uh, uh, somebody thought it's, it's, it's good enough to collect that many pieces. Um, and I'm also happy that, uh, you know, even when it's on secondary, it started off at like, you know, dollar value, you know, $3, $2. Now it's up to like $20. On, on secondary and it, it is still being traded. Uh, in hindsight, would I would I have done this as a free mint? Maybe not. Maybe I'd go at like you know 0. 0.001 just to have a dollar value on it. So maybe the bot would get it, but I, I don't know. I don't know what that, if that's the right answer or not. But uh, you know, again, like I, I think uh, I'm not sure if supposed to. Be. I always say, oh yeah, he is. I always say like I'm I'm your guy that's gonna make the mistakes for you, and you can learn from me. Uh, so I'm happily, happily making mistakes and happily uh, uh, telling you about them. That's how I feel about myself. That, um, so that's why this space, I told them, I was like, I want to talk about open editions so that I can learn from all the mistakes that people have done before I do one. I love that. And, and the bot participation is something to that um, is is an interesting dynamic because it is something that is definitely harder to control from knowing if that's going to be something that participate, you know, something that becomes part of the element or not. And then, yes, what do you do as you move forward um, if if that is a large part of the of who's holding the addition? Um, so that that definitely is an interesting dynamic to add into the equation for knowing what your goals are. Did you have um, an intention? When you um, for this particular project, did you have something you were hoping to learn or a goal for the project? Uh, I was hoping to get that piece into as many wallets that were sort of looking at my work and 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 you know thinking about getting a piece. Uh, maybe couldn't afford to get a piece. I just wanted to know, uh, you know, number wise, statistically, how many people that uh, that interact with me day to day that follow me. 
would click on a free mint and pay you know two dollar gas to have a to have a piece of my uh that, that's really the goal of, of of why i wanted to do the free mint um and uh, i don't think i achieved that goal to be honest with you because you know the bot got it so i, I you know I, I have no idea <laughs> so uh so you know it it, it it's it's unfortunate, but I'm trying to make it, um, you yeah, know, I'm trying to look at the bright side as well. Uh, and, and there is definitely a bright side, you know, this, this piece is in, is in a thousand wallets, whether it's, um, whether it's, uh, you know, people I know or will ever know. Uh, it, I don't think it matters at this point. Uh, you know, if it starts to trade on secondary, more and more people will, will maybe click the button at, you know, four and five dollars, maybe at 20, maybe not at 50, maybe, I don't know. Let's, let's see what happens. But right now, uh, you know, are clicking the button at uh you know up to twenty dollars so which, which so, is good i think that is very interesting for sure um and is it does it reside is it trading on OpenSea? i guess it can it's trading on every platform um yeah oh i mean that's that's really what i checked just open c i think it's uh, it's probably only trading on open c obviously you could see it you know on on rareable on any other platform um, it is actually also on foundation because I did something again experimenting. Most people do the uh, do the addition as uh, ERC eleven fifty five tokens. I went with an ERC seven twenty one just to see that you know what what that dynamic would do. You know, uh, I've got my my other additions and before that and after that they're all eleven fifty five. But for this specific one, I just wanted to run this one big experiment and, and see what happens uh, because I wanted to see if people would trade it on foundation. You know what I mean? Because ERC721 uh, works on foundation, whereas 1155 doesn't. So I wanted to see if anybody would actually trade this on foundation or not. The answer was no. Even with the thousand pieces, nobody will trade it on foundation. It's all on OpenSea. So again, like, you know, experimenting and seeing, seeing what these, you know, what these different variables do. Uh, for me, it's kind of like, you know, important to have, to have this knowledge, uh, even if uh, not to use for me again, but to, to share with everybody else and, 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 you know, learn from that. That is so interesting because that is something that we haven't seen. I mean, typically when you think about additions, it is 1155s on OpenSea, especially for a large edition. So, so interesting to know about foundation. And and then it's also curious if people aren't, you know, if it's so new on foundation and that people just aren't aware yet, or if it's something that um, is, is related to the collector base that's more focused on foundation. So really interesting to know about that detail as well. Yeah, I, I don't think, I think people are just not used to trading on secondary, on foundation. I think it's just not a thing. Um, you know, even when you get one of ones, like people will put, will put offers in on OpenSea probably, uh, unless it's, it's uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, you know, a famous artist, a big collector, and, and, and somebody puts his piece on, on foundation uh, on secondary. But usually people trade on OpenSea. That's, that's what I, that's what I started to see. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and also I could see for um, this type of project or for the, especially for this particular edition, um, it looks like OpenSea is debuting analytics this week in, in a beta edition. Um, so it might be, that's an interesting way of being able to track that um, for the number of wallets and something that could be interesting that we wouldn't necessarily think about as strongly in a one-of-one -one collection. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that continues to evolve and affect um, the collectability and just the information that's available as well. 
Yeah, I'll I'll probably look at that as well. But uh, I think I've taken up enough time uh, from the people here. But thanks for having me, guys. Oh, Waleed, very glad to have you join us because, um, yeah, this was exactly right on topic and um, you have a lot of really good feedback to provide because I know that you have had a lot of experience in this area. So we really appreciate you contributing. Yes, I, I agree. Thank you. That was very um, knowledgeable and very, very helpful. I, I, I found that very useful. And two, I know we touched briefly um, with Stephanie about hers. And um, Stephanie, just a few more details. I was curious, did you mention that yours is open, um, is, is just open without an end date? Yeah, mine's open um, just without um, an end date. I decided to go that route. I know some people have done like, left them up for a week or two, but I'm just leaving mine up for forever. And, you know, whoever wants it, you know, can, yeah, come collect it. So, very good. And that is a that is a great approach as well. Is this the first open edition that you have done? Yeah, I've done limited editions before, um, a couple, and they've almost one sold out and one is almost sold out. Um, so this is the first I've done an open edition and I price mine like real cheap at like um, 0 0.01. Just, you know, it's pretty much affordable um, to, you know, anyone. Um, and I've done big additions on Tezos. I just like got on there and I don't really um, actually post much about my Tezos work. I probably need to, but I've done larger additions on there of like a hundred, but most of the additions I've done have been like of 20 or 15, like when I've done them on OpenSea and stuff. Very good. It'll be fun to see how this, um, how this works out and how that, how it develops for you. So I appreciate you contributing that information today too. Um, and so hopefully too, that's something that, um, it sounds like, it sounds like with your goal with, with that particular open edition, there isn't really pressure for how quickly, um, it's collected or that it's just, it's something that you're completely comfortable with it being available and just something that's kind of there to, um, to see how that continues to grow. Yeah. I really have like no rush to like, you know, get like a hundred pieces minted or something. It's just kind of you know, there and, you know, when people want to collect it, um, you know, they can, but I'm like in no rush to get like thousands, like, you know, minted or anything, you know, right away. So, I mean, that's a pretty unrealistic goal unless you're just somebody that's like super established and, you know, I'm still just, you know, an up and coming, you know, artist in the space. So, yeah, I mean, and it's a good, like I said, I thought it would be a good way just to get your you know, name out there, you know, I've gotten like a couple of like new collectors from it, you know, that I never talked to before. So it's a great way to make connections with other collectors and then also other artists um, in the space. Very good. Very good. And that is definitely, you know, one of the um, motivators that we hear often related to editions, but and even open editions. And I'm curious too, you know, as, as that group grows, is there, is there ways in which um, people are being staying in touch with these new contacts to be able to kind of build a community um, that's because obviously gaining the connection is kind of this the first step and so just curious um, if that is one of the goals maybe some of the framework or some of the ways in which to continue building that community 
I always try and reach out to people when they collect work um, and make a connection with them. Um, I'm like, I'm like really uncomfortable, like talking <laughs> to people sometimes, like in trying to make connections. Uh, I just get like very much in like my head that they're just I'm not going to respond and some don't and that's fine. Um, but a lot of them, like I do reach out to, um, and some of them have been people that have collected from me like multiple times. So I already have like that established connection with them, but I do try and like, make connections with those collectors and the people that collect it um you know just to thank them and you know I do like getting to know them because I've met some pretty cool people um that way so I do like definitely want to build like a relationship you know and a connection you know with those people you know if obviously if they want to you know there's no pressure for them to you know respond back or anything very good. And so I kind of understand that maybe it's even kind of like the initial introduction, like breaking the ice that if they if they collect a piece, then it's like, okay, they definitely have an interest here and they would like to, you know, kind of establish a relationship or at least, a, you know, re, you feel more comfortable maybe reaching out to them in that regard. Yeah, it is a good icebreaker because like I said, they collect it, then I mean, obviously they're interested, you know, in your work and um, you know, most people are pretty receptive, you know, to having a connection or, you know, talking. I know a lot of some of the collectors, especially, you know, they're pretty busy and have a lot on their plate and, you know, they collect from a lot of artists, but, you know, it is a good way definitely to open, you know, the lines of communication. And I did it at one of my storm pieces. So a lot of times people have, you know, questions about that. So people will message and like ask me about like storm chasing and questions about it. Um, so that's too kind of like why I went with the storm piece, just because I tend to get like more people asking questions or more curious about the storm stuff than like my landscape stuff. But it is a great way to like get to know people like when they do like collect one. And obviously, like I said, they collected the piece. So they're obviously interested um, in your work and you. So it's a nice little, um, you know, icebreaker to get to know someone. Very good. Very good. And I know Victoria has um, joined us again on speakers and has her hand raised. So you are welcome to take the mic, Victoria. Thanks. Yeah, I just wanted to um, add something to the last question about how to connect with addition uh, community. And I think um, like the piece that I spoke a little bit about, the collaboration that I did with uh, a guy named Code Crafting, um, who's a developer, is like a really good example of like possibility for what you can do with an addition. Um, so I'll, I'll, let me just like briefly explain how it works. What we did is we minted uh, an addition and we minted a one of one. The addition and the one of one were the exact same artwork, completely the same. But what happens is that there's a website that goes with the pieces and the additions actually function as a vote. So for every edition that you hold, you get one vote. And then the one of one acts as the controller. So the community of the edition holders get a say in how they want the piece to look. Um, and what ended up happening was like really funny because all of the edition community, like we kind of expected we might get 20% voting and that would be like a good number. We ended up getting almost 50% of the edition holders voting and they, they formed like factions on how they wanted 
uh, this NFT to look. It's a dynamic NFT, so it changes based on what the controller puts in. But here's the thing. If the addition community doesn't work together, meaning their votes are all across the board, they there's a punishment. And the NFT changes. It, it gets it gets uh, kind of destroyed. Like it, it gets all burnt up around the edges and it looks like shit. People are, people are complaining. I don't like the way my NFT looks. I'm like, well, you better work together uh, to get it back. So the community has to work together to keep the NFT looking the way it's supposed to. And then they can vote on how it moves and what will be the first uh, like portrait showing and blah, blah, blah. So then the person who owns the one of one can choose to do what the community wants. So adhere to the vote or do whatever they want. If they choose to override the community, then they are punished, but it does change all of the community. So uh, we created, we kind of like almost gamified this edition where we created all this drama. There was like, I, I was running Twitter spaces for about a month and almost every Twitter space would end up being about that. Like all these people got on teams. They were all arguing with each other. People were minting NFTs and dropping them to other people to try buy their vote. People were being bribed. Like it, was, it was like a whole thing all around this edition. So there's like a lot of movement around it. Um, so I think like, obviously the NFT itself was a bit more complicated, but there's so much you can do aside from just dropping like a huge edition. Um, you, can, you can really make a whole community out of it. That does add a lot of additional um, utility and elements, and it seems like another reason to kind of involve the community or really encourage them to participate, which is a very innovative um, way of, of building that community and, and a new way. I think this would this is probably the first um, the first time that this has been done in this manner, isn't it? It's the first I've heard of it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always hard to say like 100%, but I've never heard anything like this. The, the developer that I'm working with is like a mad genius. Um, and while I had the idea for the artwork itself, he's the one who came in with all the gamification ideas that really just kind of like took it to a new level. So um, yeah, it's well, and it's also the contract itself, he calls it an Oracle contract, which means you can actually plug in other contracts to this and then have it affect the NFT, which will have major like repercussions down the road. For example, if maybe you had collectors trading your NFT in a way you didn't want them to, you could punish them just like we're punishing people. So basically cause and effect, something happens to the NFT, uh, you know, the community does something and then the NFT changes in response to that. And what that means, like from a technology standpoint is, is I'm pretty sure groundbreaking in this space, uh, but he'll be developing that on Tezos and I'm sure, you know, everything, everything will travel across the board at some point, but yeah, it's really interesting. That was, yeah, what I'm really actually, into, I want to look more into this community edition, but it does sound really, really interesting, but it sounds like a lot of work. I'm not going to lie. 
sounds like a lot of like keeping track and everybody you know like you say everybody working together so what if some people don't want to work together and yeah that it sounds like it could get a little bit wild well yeah I mean really it was kind of a social experiment to some degree it wasn't a lot of work for us like we made the nft we put it out there then we just sat back and watched what all these maniacs did um they're the ones who took it to this whole new level um but yeah, some people will actually, the first person who bought the one-of-one -one controller was our Jedi. She, she owned it for two hours and then she sold it. She basically broke even. She sold it. She was like, I can't handle this. She's like, I, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Uh, this is crazy. I can't deal with all these people like uh, harassing me essentially to do what they want me to do. Um, so yeah, she sold it and uh it's but for us it's just been like i said an experiment and um we don't have to keep track of anyone the community itself is the ones that are like kind of pushing their own factions and and coming i mean we didn't know what to expect i thought people would be bored within a day or two but it was it was very active for just probably over a month and we're about to drop the second one so i expect a good time out of that one too the punishment that i I learned from the last time the punishment everyone's gonna it's like the thing you would hate the most is what I'm gonna do to you uh so I'm really excited about that that will be a fun experiment to see how people are reacting and and it seems like a great way to engage a community and keep people involved um in in what's happening and so a fun way of bringing people in and keeping them engaged in a, in a project and in a conversation. Is there a, is there um, kind of an end date or, or how long is there a, a, a time that the game kind of ends? Uh, well, like each piece, the website will be open and the voting will continue as long as the community wants to keep it going. Um, as far as like how many me and code crafting will do, I'll keep going as long as he's willing to, I'm sure he'll get bored with me at some point, but I'm going to ride this as long as I can. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. There's so many possibilities though, as far as what you can create when it comes to dynamic NFTs. Right. So, um, and having the ability to work with someone who's literally like, I can do anything you want. It's just mind blowing. I completely agree. And I think that it'll be really interesting to see, you know, as we continue to grow in the space, this innovation that's available and, and the, pro the possibility of being able to be creative, you know, using beautiful art as the basis, but also ways in which we can, you know, create different community involvement around that and ways in which, you know, can be very dynamic and to be able to really encourage the community to build and, and that connection with people that normally would not be connected whatsoever. Um, so really excited to hear about, uh, you know, what you've been working on. Um, it's always fun to see how people are innovating and doing different things in the space. And this is definitely a, a very unique way it seems even kind of like the idea you know building a community that we might see on the pfp side just with the involvement in the you know being as invested in the in an outcome maybe um but yet yet adding that totally unique dynamic of having that control and that that um reason for keeping the community involved so really cool way of, of keeping that fun and engaging um and having a reason for people to you know 
be be active in the community, not just maybe for the straight, you know, transactional interaction, but something that could be um, an application used um, for for creating other experiences or other events or celebrations. Um, so really cool. Thank you for sharing with us, Victoria. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'll drop down again because my connection is sketchy. Well, thank you. And you're welcome to come back whenever you have the ability to do so. But appreciate hearing about that project as well. Um, and I know we have Stoic who has had his hand up. I'm not sure if you're able to, to share with us at this time. Yeah, I actually got a minute here. Um, thanks for having me on, everybody. Great to see everybody again. I always love coming to this space. Y'all are just really awesome. Appreciate everyone here. Um, just kind of want to briefly just get my thoughts on, you know, open editions and, you know, coming from a person who is still newer to the NFT scene and just kind of marketing in general, I guess you could say in this space. But, uh, I think there's a lot of leveraging that you can use around open editions mainly because, and I'm speaking from a place of like someone who's still new and trying to grow himself and, have more familiarity and standing in the community because I mean, from people on the panel here, you guys have a far larger standing, you know, in the community. And if people mention your name, they already know who, like who you are. I don't know if people know my name yet, or that's not really the point anyways, but uh, the thing with open editions and really editions in general, I guess you could say is, what you can do is if you have buyers that are investing, like collectors that are investing in, you know, one uh, ones or certain additions that you have, um, it's great to offer up those open editions as an additional gift and showing appreciation to your collectors. Because that's kind of what I've been doing lately is I've got my one edition still. I've got tons of it available, but uh, for my larger pieces, um, I'm gifting my collectors that because I would rather have collectors know that they're appreciated and thought about and, you know, have more incentive to come back and invest later on and then have like the small sale because my edition is only 0 0.02. And, you know, to me, I think it's still a far better benefit and better return on investment to gift that additional like that one edition for someone who's buying a piece of like 0 0.05 or 0 0.7075 or whatever that I have. And, you know, it's just when you build those connections and you really invest in your collectors too, that I think, you know, is a lot more powerful than just having pieces that are like, you know, really low cost and stuff like that, you know, and this is just my thoughts and my experience, but you know, you guys are welcome to share your thoughts and, um, yeah, I actually would like to hear what you guys think about that as well. So I think that that is an interesting um, dynamic and an interesting, you know, conversation is, you know, appreciation ways to keep that relationship fresh with your collector base and, and also, you know, 
I think it's, I think there's a great way of showing, you know, appreciation, but then it's, I know we have that question of, well, what does that actually look like? It is, is that with gifting additional art? Is that with keeping updates coming about what we're working on? Um, You know, and, and that definitely leads into kind of my next kind of idea or question is, you know, with, with deciding on what our goals are with doing really an edition of any sort, whether it be an open edition or, or a limited edition and whether it's priced or free, you know, what is, what is our goal with that? Is it gifting additional? Is it, you know, kind of a reward system, but also how do we go about, you know, utilizing that connection that we've created? So curious too, for those with doing additions, are they, you know, are you then reaching out to people on a regular basis that hold your edition and, and chatting or building that relationship? Or also when you have one of ones releasing, is that something you feel comfortable going ahead and, and mentioning to the collector base um, and kind of ways in which if, if the goal is to build community ways in which to actually go about approaching and, and using that connection or that that interest in your work to move forward um and curious if anyone has had any experience along those lines i think i because we were just chatting about this i think about this a lot like how to stay connected and like build that i you know build that connection with the people that do collect from me and i didn't i've never done an open edition before but i did an edition this was months and months back my first one and it was it was small like i can't remember it was 20 or 25 pieces and i remember the you know the purpose of that was like a mint pass so people that collected into that edition would see what's coming next which i do honor that but i also honor that with like everybody that has um collected from me so maybe you know looking back i i actually learned a lot from the additions that i put out and moving forward it's i do think about well what will what will an open edition mean for me and how how can i use it but the staying like what i feel like we're i almost feel like we're having two conversations uh, about like you know the one about staying connected to collectors yes this is one that I really really struggle with because I don't know the best way to go about it and the, from other spaces that we've had you guys all know that I'm big on the email list so I do send out an update that way but you know is there more that I could be doing I, I just can't like thinking of an open edition and possibly how many people would collect into it I don't see how I can create like a connection with every single person it would have to be all in like a group a mass group that you're you're talking to I agree um, that, you know, and, and thinking about different ways to structure that um, and Arwen, if you have feedback, you are welcome to go ahead and take the mic. Yes, this is something I really struggle with as well. Um, and I started like a group chat for all of my collectors um, and I started it a long time ago, actually, but I had only added the one of one of one collectors and not even all of them. Um, And it kind of, you know, nothing really happened with it. I wasn't even really sending, you know, my updates and things to it. So I decided to start it up again recently. um, And I added all the edition collectors and anyone who hadn't been added. And it's still small enough that I don't feel like, you know, it's a huge imposition because um, I feel like if I had an open edition or something like that and had a ton of collectors, then they couldn't all be in a group chat together. It would just be like too much. Um, but since I've been keeping it kind of small, I feel like it works. 
but I would like it to be just a little more active. I mean, actually, a lot of my collectors who I have spoken to have said that, you know, they don't like group chats to be too active because then there's too much to keep up with. So I think it's kind of a fine balance. But I'm in another one of somebody that I collected from and they've got an active group chat and it's really nice. Um, so I think if you can do that, that's a really good way to do it. Um, and then I know other people are using discord and they have actually encouraged me to do that, even though I started a discord at the very beginning and I never really used it because I just thought, Oh, people aren't going to want to join another discord. But the artists I've spoken to who have started discords have said that even if you don't get a lot of people at the beginning, people will start coming in. And then that's a really good way to build community as you get more people. Um, so that's something I'm considering as well. But until now, I think the best way for me has just been messaging my collectors individually, um, you know, especially the ones that I feel like I've connected with more. Um, and then, you know, that's usually how I get the most response and, um, you know, interact with them the most. And I'm not a very outgoing person. I'm uh, a bit shy. So it's been kind of hard for me and I probably don't do it as much as I should. Um, but, you know, I feel like it's actually been a really good learning and growth experience because, Every time I have a successful conversation, I feel, you know, really good about it. Um, so I just thought I'd share um, my experience and that. All right. I love that. And I think you, you and I have a very similar path through here. Um, I, I think what I think about a lot is so people, let's just say I did do an open edition and it was just throwing out a price like really, really low 0.01. I just can't see myself like just. Like, I don't, I don't have enough time in, in this world to give every single person that collects, um, like, that attention. And I feel, I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but people who, like, invest more into me or do purchase a one-of-one -one and, you know, are here to help aid in my journey as I grow, I, I feel like it's more worthwhile on both ends to be spending the time interacting with them versus someone who just, you know, picks up something for say a hundred dollars. But, but also at the same time, you know, as, as we grow and in my web two world, I have like a, I do have a stronger presence. So I feel like for some people that are collecting and buying into, you know, it's exciting for them and it's exciting for them that they get to develop that relationship for you. So again, I feel like I want to reserve that for people who are investing more into, into me versus say like a fellow artist who just picks up one of my editions that I drop throughout the year. I, I see a huge difference with that. And I can't imagine putting all of these people in, into a group chat like I I'm, I'm the same I I do feel I have been added into quite a few and then I do see how people exit them and it probably is because they're just too chatty if there was a way I could have one I don't know I guess it could be my decision like this chat is only here to update you guys on what I'm doing so I don't have to individually send out messages I can see that being effective but not so sure I am like there to have a big group chat that's really, really active. 
Yeah. So kind of just want to want to add one thing here as well. Like I've only sold two pieces and for you guys, like you guys are coming in an entirely different place than I am. And so this is what I'm just kind of doing temporarily at the moment, just because it's like, you know what, when you, when you're that person that kind of follows on your word, because I say I always don't mind giving additional work to my collectors starting out because, you know, I want to build a reputation of like someone who actually cares and, you know, coming from that place of like, well, you know, when he was starting, you know, he was he was very generous and very kind. And, you know, that definitely is something that I want to kind of start off and build my reputation on. And obviously this is only like going to last so long, like eventually gets to the point where, yeah, I'm not going to be able to just give out additions and stuff like that or whatever. It's just, you know, you guys, like I said, you guys are coming from an entirely different standing position socially. And, you know, when you want to build yourself up, you know, you kind of, you kind of have to do some things that, you know, you may not necessarily like at the time, but you know, it's better to give that small investment now because the, the return that you get later on is what's going to pay off down the road. And so you don't have to do it anymore, you know, and just kind of coming from that place. And, you know, I definitely agree with what you guys are saying for sure. Like, you know, it's, you can't do this long term and I don't plan on doing this long term, but you got to, I don't know, this is just what I'm doing to just start. And if that makes any sense at all. And I think, too, something that you mentioned there was also, you know, thinking about how you want to be perceived, um, you know, with your collector base, that it is important for you to, you know, build that relationship. And I think that that's good to think about that starting off and also kind of the plan for what the future can be. Um, and if that's something that, you know, once if you start, if it's going to be expected, you know, to continue or how to go about approaching that. Um, and, you know, I think it's I think these kinds of sessions are great for those that are at different places in their journey to think about, you know, the future and being able to, you know, put together a plan. Obviously, things are dynamic and everybody's learning and growing because this is such a new space. But, you know, having that chance to be able to kind of set set some some steps ahead to see where you're going to be moving and, and ideas and which will help you reach your goals and who kind of let you represent yourself as an artist you want to be in the space. Um, so definitely good good food for thought um, and definitely want to include Stephanie in the conversation too. I know you've had your hand up. So if you would like to take the mic, you're welcome to. Um, I think Sarah brought up a really good idea. She maybe wanted to something about like the email. Um, because, you know, everyone has an email and I think, you know, asking like when someone clicks or whatever, you know, like, hey, do you, you want to be added to an email list, you know, where you can send out updates for, you know, future pieces, kind of what you're up to and stuff. Um, it'd be an easier way to keep track of people um, and then for them not to have to be in a chat. I know some of them probably like being in chats and talking, but I know for a lot of them, that's just probably one more thing they have to keep up with. So I feel like an email or a newsletter type thing that you could like send out monthly or just whenever maybe a good idea, um, you know, for your collectors just to keep them updated. Um, you know, the ones that want to be added to the list on, you know, what you're doing could be a good and easy way, you know, to keep up with them. Um, discord could be good too. I'm terrible with discord and tech stuff. So discord even scares me just to get in and chat and it's just overwhelming for me, but I think that could be another, um, good one. Um, like I said, I know some of them like their group chats, but then group chat, I'm in a couple group chats and, they go crazy and I'm in a few and it's very hard to like 
keep up with all that stuff. But I guess it's also something where you could like fill your collectors out and just kind of ask like which way they prefer. Um, but I do think Sarah's onto something. I think the email is like a really good way to do it just because you're not in a group chat. It's not a discord. They have to get in. You can just send them the email if they want on that list, you know, send it out monthly or whatever. And I feel like that would be like a very good like way to like keep track of people without making it like too much for them and then too much for, like for you to keep up with too. I have to say that you all know that I agree with this. I, okay, the main reason why I like to update through the email list is because you look at a chat and you only have text and you just have like, if you write out all of your updates, oh my gosh, you're giving someone just this huge novel to read. Whereas like the email, you have so much more control. There's, you can visually add images, you can add video, and they just scroll through this one nice like very clean page and everything is on there that's that's my that's my main reason why I actually like to go that route but in terms of also like a group chat I've also had this thought I feel like some personalities like some artists are just good at being that hub like they're good at being that person and I or when I'm in the same, I know the chat, the one uh, collector artist chat that you're talking about, because I'm in the same one. And that artist, like that, I feel like that is his strength. He is good at being that person where, you know, everybody can come and have a conversation. So Bode is also a, a great example of that. Like he is almost like a beacon where people flock around and that's just his personality. He's great at that. But other people, not everybody is that, why, why is he crying? <laughs> because i'm not because i'm not you know i'm the worst i'm the worst when it comes to dm groups let me tell you a story you know recently oh, oh, your, your spaces i'm not talking about your dm groups like your okay. spaces Space we are, as Space an outsider fun. you are just observing you like you're just your personality is very welcoming and you are you're a great person to connect others i don't know if you see this in yourself but you are and it's a it's a compliment like you're every i feel very comfortable around you like talking around you and coming to converse with you in in groups and in spaces i'm not talking about dm chats i'm just saying some people have that personality that they can be that anchor basically that anchor to create a little community whereas arwen brought up you know she's like i i feel a little bit shy at times which is you know that's her personality type so i i think the dm groups with where you add all your collectors in it's just not going to be for everybody and then in rea like realistically let's just use a let's just use a collector as an example he's gone in here but let's use alpha how many group chats can he be added into you know think like two years down the road he might have like 200 that he has to keep up with and that is in my eyes is a full-time job all in its own Now, let me come in just because I threw the sand emojis. I thought you were talking of DMs. Sorry about that. But yes, you know, uh, recently I got added into a DM group. There are some, I don't know, 100 people in that. I just kept quiet. And after one month, they removed me from the group. I'm like, okay, that's good. I have to say, Sabod, you are the only person I've ever known that actually got their account suspended because they exceeded the number of daily DMs sent. <laughs> so groups might not Twice. be. Twice. <laughs> Twice. That's an accomplishment right there. That 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 takes a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everyone should know this. You know, if you're in DM groups, that's great. If you're chatty, that's great. If it works for you, 
but you have a limit of 10000 messages per day twitter is counting so once you hit that 10000 they they block your dms for one day so it happened to me twice and once i need to blame sara because she went on and on and on but other time i don't even know why it happened but yeah Well, that is definitely some chatting. So I don't know. Again, I don't know anybody else that's reached that limit. <laughs> But um, yes, that is something that to be aware of, I guess. <laughs> But um, that use of the DM groups can be something that is an interesting thing. But also, again, how do you go about that? Um, and I also have kind of been curious, you know, like even mentioning, you know, with Sarah and Arwen, you know, Sarah mentioning, you know, we're kind of on our own path. Also, you know, if you're kind of use, you know, if you have a DM group or a group that you're chatting in, how much you also maybe have others that are on a similar path that you guys kind of, you know, maybe share for each other with your groups to kind of broaden that that reach as well. So it's just kind of that was kind of something I've been curious about that if it's, you know, strictly about yourself but also like, hey, my friend is dropping this or someone that I appreciate a lot in the space has this available just as a mention could be another way of, you know, both being kind of a trusted source for information but also, you know, if they also do that with their group, you know, a way of kind of broadening that that reach. Um but I'll definitely go to Arwen and let her take the mic since she has her hand up. Yeah, I was actually going to comment on that same topic. Um in the DM group I'm in where he keeps it going really well. Um, he does share things from other people, um, but especially from people who are in the group, um, which I think is interesting, you know, to kind of show support for people who have uh, collected from him and, you know, incur and I think that helps to encourage um, interaction in the group. Um, and then I'm in another group from someone I collected from who, only shares, you know, his own stuff and I think that's fine too. Um, you know, it's not as active as the other one and you know, I've collected from him and I like to hear what he's up to and see his new stuff and I usually retweet it when he sends it. Um and I'm happy with that as well. So I think it's, you know, however you want to do it and whatever works for you. I think just trying to keep in touch is the most important part. Um and you know, try something. If it doesn't work, you can always try something else. I I I totally agree, Arwen. Like it's it's, it's open right now to, you know, trial and error and, and experiment and that's why I went to the email list cuz I just I knew I could do something with it to like keep connected with people but I also see um I was just chatting actually with Emma and some other girls about this I I really see the value you know if someone is if you're selling work like above 1e for something if someone coll collects that you know they're they're likely investing in your journey and i see like big value for that person to have a special connection with you that other people don't have like people who aren't really i guess investing in you i don't know if anybody else sees it that way but i have you know it's a small list of collectors that have invested a larger amount into me and those are the ones that i want to you know let into my world you, i think to them they they love that they love being a part of your journey and i don't feel that everybody should have that access i do see there being value in that 
because like a lot of people look up to us like they look up to the artist so I think that's really really important to remember I think Sarah brings up a good point because you know like she said like if someone's spending like more than an ETH like collecting you know your work obviously there's someone that's like highly like invested in you and that's definitely someone like you want to keep like that close connection and relationship with obviously because you know they just you know invested quite a bit in you and all you know obviously they they care and you know they want to you know you know be a part of you like your future as an artist I do like think like Sarah brings up a good point about that like you know those are like definitely like you should hold all connections close but definitely like those connections I think are definitely ones like that should be like maybe like more I guess carefully like you know kept up with just obviously because they obviously invested a large part in in you and they obviously care about you know your future here and you know where you're going and you know they want to be invested um you know in that for sure so Definitely. And, and, you know, kind of establishing that, that initial um, communication and, and, you know, seeing what you want your group to be and knowing that just like everything in this space, starting off with it being, you know, if, if activity or, you know, is, is kind of slow, you know, knowing what, keeping in mind that that's going to be something that you're going to be adding to or growing or the reason that you're wanting to start off that direction um, is definitely something to keep in mind. So um, you're not, not maybe deciding whether it's working or not based on where we're at in the process, knowing that that can change and evolve over time as well. So establishing maybe that tight knit group that you are then adding people into um, and also kind of maybe thinking from their point of view, what am I, you know, if, if I want them to participate or if I'm okay with this level of participation, but if I want them to participate more, what is, what could maybe interest them or what would they want to know that would keep that participation happening um, is something to maybe kind of consider as well. Um, and I know we have a new speaker on the stage that um, has had their hand up, which would be NFT Works, and was going to see if you had something you wanted to contribute. Yeah, hi guys. I'm just I'm new to the space. I was just hopping in because I was really um interested in the conversation. And uh, yeah, I, I was going to agree with uh, Sarah. We, uh, I prefer uh, newsletters as well, newsletter emails. <laughs> I prefer sending those out to, to our customers because it it, it kind of tells you who you are as sort of the um the narrator. So a newsletter people, I would say, are people who really like to be organized and in in control and the information that they dish out so uh and it, i think it's really good because you can you can structure the newsletter however you want in compartments and stuff and you control how the information information is read right well there's dm groups there could be people talking about different topics in between and it makes it a bit more complicated for people to fish out the information that they want but what i think about what's good about dm groups is it, it's very personal and, you know, it's a great way Like we were just talking about how if artists sell their work for like, let's say one Ethereum, like maybe also allowing them to have access to like a DM group with the artist itself could be a great way of like creating a unique sort of connection between the people who's bought their NFT and them. And they can ask like direct questions to the artist and if the artist is fine to do that. That's a great way to sort of create uniqueness and like a bit more utility around your nft project is if you're if you're a small artist that does let's say paintings photography sculptures and you're selling maybe four or five nfts for the price around one ethereum creating something like a dm group or maybe selling sort of a, a free personalized video 
or maybe giving away a free NFT on top of the one Ethereum NFT that you're sort of selling is a great way to sort of create unique unique connection between your buyer and and, and your artwork. Because and hindsight for for big investors, one Ethereum might not be a lot of money, but for like sort of the common folk, people are who are like you know maybe middle class or maybe just working class that that can be considered all the money you know and that that is a big investment and and i agree with what you guys are saying that if someone's buying your artwork for one ethereum or maybe more they are contributing to your journey they are contributing to your artwork they're really trying to see you achieve with your with your projects and I, and, and i think that's great Thank you for that feedback, um, and welcome to welcome to Meta Jungle. Welcome to the community. Happy to have you with us. Um, and I think too, there, you know, something too that Sarah. I don't know if she mentioned this time, but um, was a big push for going focusing more on the newsletter is also not being tied to one platform or having your you know your whole community tied to one one platform. So that way, if you're throwing too many yellow hearts and Twitter doesn't like it, you don't have to be banned or be limited on what you can do with your community, um, which is a great a great thing to keep in mind as well. Um, and go ahead. Sorry, I, I was just yeah, putting my hands up. I don't, want to, don't want to speak over you. That's the last thing I want to do. No, I was saying, yeah, because you just talked about social, me- like social media platforms, some of the platforms. I totally agree with what you're saying. It's not everyone's you know, cup of tea. Like Discord is for some people and, and it's not for others. I, I know loads of people in spaces that when I talk to them, they hate Discord. They really don't like the idea of channels. They really don't like the idea of compart compartmentalization can't you say that word properly but you know yeah like really structured stuff um but you know on the other hand I, I i love discord i think discord's great i think it's amazing i think you have all your different channels i think you can really break up conversations i think you can do amazing things with discords in your community the most important thing with sort of dm groups discord telegram newsletter it's it's the sense of community and each platform kind of provides a different aspect of community but if you can have all of them working sort of in unison and you can cater to all your customers needs it's a great way for like marketing and sort of building a fully fledged community that's that's got fluidity if you, if you can if you can manage to create fluidity between all those platforms and sort of build strength in all those platforms then you'll be successful you'll be a successful project don't get me wrong it's <laughs> it is really difficult and not every business can do that a lot of businesses what they tend to do is they tend to focus on or artists let's say they tend to focus on one thing and then branch out to others but if you can get to a point where you can build yourself on so of all these platforms, whether it be Discord, Twitter, Telegram, YouTube, TikTok, whatever, whatever sort of social media platform or DM group or, or newsletter, you can build on all those platforms and all those sort of aspects. You can be really successful. Once you're built on that, it's about building fluidity. How am I going to? How am I going to get people to sort of move in between those platforms? How am I going to make sure that my information gets digested by everyone uh, differently, but in the same way? If that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Very well said. Yes, absolutely. And just being able to create that opportunity to um, have communication open with the people that you would like to receive the information um, and and figuring that out across the available opportunities and platforms. Um, But that was definitely very well said. And and also, you know, for those joining us, you know, with the idea of, you know, editions and especially open editions, if our goal is to create that collector base, you know, how in which we then 
utilize that opportunity to with with growing our community and moving forward. Um, and I'm curious too. You know, Twitter does have the ability to kind of do different polls and create different opportunities for people to give feedback. I'm curious if there's if people are asking their collectors, you know, what they how they want to communicate or if they would be interested in this and and if you've seen any. Um, actual input or participation on getting that information on how people would like to, you know, grow a group or also, you know, incentives that they would like to receive over time or things that would be of value to them. Um, and NFT works. I'm sorry, I did not ask. What is, should we, what should we actually refer to you as? Um, oh, I was going to say NFT works is fine. Um, I, I'm sort of the marketing intern for NFT works. So I've sort of taken over the Twitter. I'm just joining spaces just to sort of see what's up and sort of uh, look around. And I, I was just going to ask a bit about Meta, Meta Jungle. That's all right. But it's a bit of a vague question on what you guys do and stuff. If you guys don't mind answering that, that'd be great. Oh, sure, sure. Um, so for, with Meta Jungle, we're actually um, a community that helps provide tools and resources for be people to be able to navigate successfully through the NFT space. And so we've, we started our community probably about a year ago, I guess, and we are open to people from all different interests in the NFT space. Um, we have a very strong um, community in the photography space, in the NFT photography space, um, which kind Kind of is based on where we like to um, actually collect and also build relationships. So we create a lot of opportunities to be able to help um, NFT artists, particularly like independent artists, being able to learn about navigating the space, creating collections, staying up to date on relevant topics, and just being able to cultivate that opportunity to share artwork um, and to be able to hopefully make good decisions about curating their work and for their kind of their path ahead. And so I'm Emma, aka Nifty Metagirl. I'm one of the co-founders and Alpha Trilogy is another co-founder um, who um, does a lot of collecting in the space. And so that kind of, that's, we're, we're here to help hopefully cultivate a, a welcoming and um, an educational opportunity for people. So to we know it can be kind of scary out there and there's a lot of things that can be um, daunting to learn. Um, so kind of that open free space to be able to share ideas like this and be able to, you know, learn from one another um, and have different opportunities also within our Discord community and our um, YouTube channel for people coming in to, to be able to learn about the space. It's the group at oh, the okay. end. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, I was going to say that's really cool. So you, so you guys are basically sort of trying to bridge the gap between photographers and sort of the Web3 space. So you deal, well, you say photographers mainly, that's, I'm just assuming that's your main customer base. So what you do is you help photographers sort of enter the Web3 space because I assume there's a lot of artists that have like, well, because NFT work sort of does the same, but I, I won't really go into that because I, I want to be respectful to your space. But I, a lot of photographers, I assume they've got great, great artwork and they just don't know how to get into Web3. And when you have businesses like you that sort of, give them the tools and sort of teach them it, it, it contributes to the web3 space massively right because we have we have loads of people in the web3 space that are constantly launching nft collections and they actually know what they're doing they know how to go onto OpenSea. they know how to mint an nft they know how to auction an nft they know they know sort of the price and stuff but there's a lot of artists that have 
great artwork and absolutely fantastic artwork that if you'd look at it and you'd be like wow this photography has really got potential and they're selling it in, in fiat and sort of uh, exhibitions and stuff and, and they're maybe not making as much money as they'd want but if they use the opportunity of entering into web3 they might be able to be much more successful so no so I, I really i really think it's amazing what you guys are doing because we need to bring more people into web3 and, and as you do that you're just growing the community and and you're giving artists an opportunity to get another stream of revenue which is which is just fantastic so really good job well, thank you. Thank you. And yes, um, with our community too, um, that's one thing that I think is maybe unique about MetaJungle is there, as far as a business side, like we, everything that we offer is free for people to participate in. So there's not, there's not a token to collect or anything that's, that's charged for whatsoever. Um, we just really believe that the NFT space is um, the future for how we're going to be dealing in life in general um, in the, in the near future. And so learning and establishing a good foundation and helping build trust within the ecosystem is really, really important. So being able to share opportunities, you know, to be able to grow that strong foundation and, and be able to build trust both on the artist side and the collector side is going to be very important for bringing in new people, um, both for creatives and collectors to be able to help this ecosystem move forward and, you know, be able to, to really um, be established and be something for the future. Um, so that's where our focus is. Um, is often is is placed regularly that's what we do day in day out so um and again we we are open to anyone in the in the nft space but we do have a very large part in our hearts for the nft photography space <laughs> and spend a lot of time and attention um with our with our wonderful nft photographer friends <laughs> and so you're welcome to take the mic if you would like thanks Amara. sorry to deviate but i just forgot to wish swati a very happy birthday because I know this happened before I came into the space, but I wasn't there. So I just thought my memory is like that. So sorry, Sati, wishing you a very happy birthday. Thank you, Subodh. Thank you very much. Welcome back, Swati. I'm sure you've been getting calls all morning. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> oh. And I thankfully, I didn't get drunk, but last time I did. But anyway, I'm back now. I hope I don't get any more calls right now. Well, we are glad you were with us and totally understand people calling and sharing the love. So, and contributing to your wonderful day. <laughs> But yes, um, for Meta Jungle, that definitely is our our goals um, for for moving in the future. And and it's been you know we we're always learning and having that chance to come together like this and share ideas and be able to let others you know learn about other opportunities that are available, what other people are doing as they're moving forward, and and also building in some of those understandings from you know traditional both art world and also business place um, etiquette and best practices just again to help build that trust and and help people kind of plan out their you know their path for what's right for them is is what we spend a lot of time and attention on um 
and I think it, it does help those that are that are participating and wanting to move forward. So, um, and Sarah is one of our active community members. Um, Sabote as well, Arwen, Swati, Harini. We have so many that in the that that are participating and helping others with those chances to to learn and grow. Um, so it's definitely a great place to be building in the space um, and excited for what the future brings for um, as for arts, but especially NFT photography, because definitely agree that in the in real life experience or the traditional art world, there may be some limitations that we're excited that NFTs can overcome and be able to create those opportunities for artists to be able to have control of their careers and see success within their careers, which is really, really awesome. And so, um, yeah, we hold these spaces every Friday, um, really focusing on that opportunity for educational opportunities to grow. So navigating NFTs, we talk a lot usually about business building and, and brand building and those things that we can do with the tools that we have available. Um, but yeah, that's us. <laughs> and you're welcome to take the mic. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just going to ask you, if you don't mind, because you just, you just mentioned a, a sort of brand building and business building. NFT Works is trying to sort of grow its own Twitter space, and, and this one seems like really good. You seem like you guys have grown up to like about 30 people, so I was just wondering if you had any sort of advice on, on how you guys did that, because we've been around for maybe about the same time as you, about 12 months. We're just a startup company, so we're just trying to build our community as well. Um, and, and I'm the person who kind of hosts our Twitter spaces back at our place. But I was going to ask, how, 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 how did you do it? How did you get so many people in? Because I, I, I feel like it's quite hard to sort of get the initial sort of people in, let's say 10, 15 people. But once you get that, I think then it just sort of grows on its own. And then once you reach this sort of crowd, it will grow from 30 to 50, 50 to 70, and then 70, 100, and then, and then the world's your oyster. So I was just going to ask if you, if you had any pointers in sort of growing Twitter spaces and, uh, you know, building community, I guess. Um, I think I think one of the main things that we find um, helpful is is consistency. Um, we've we started Sarah and I started this space back in December, I believe, and we have missed a few Fridays along the way. But um, pretty much every Friday, you know for sure you can come and chat with us, and also having those topics that are relevant for for the community and encouraging people to come up and have those discussions. And I'll see if Sarah has any input that she has as well on that topic i do i do okay but just wait what was the what was the topic again about was, building um about building um participation within the twitter space oh yeah i think well just be uh, like just be active and just be vocal i think that's the, the only thing anybody can really do that's what that's how i started i just like what you know working with you Emma and helping in the space helping bring like my knowledge I brought a lot of my knowledge from web to business building into here because I saw that there was this huge lack of just fellow artists kind of you know knowing how to get their business up and running on the ground so I like to share what I do like email lists etc cetera, etc cetera. and I think that that if it connects with someone I think it is very valuable for them and helps people on their journey and I, I was also going to ask you in terms of in terms of growth. How how long did it take for you guys to sort of get where you are now? Was it was it long? Was it was it did it happen fairly fast or like how long did it take to sort of get a few sort of recurring people in your Twitter spaces and start to get sort of real conversations going? If that makes sense. I I I actually do have something to say on this because I noticed um, 
like me and Emma have been like this space in particular, the one that we do on Friday, Made a Jungle does um, other ones as well. Like they do one with Sabode on every Sunday. I noticed that I think, I mean, this makes sense, but it grows really quickly depending on who is on the speaker panels. And I noticed if there is collectors in the chat, that also makes it grow really quickly. And it definitely brings in a lot of people. Whereas if it's just artists, I don't feel that like a lot of people will flock into that. So if there's collectors involved, I, it grows really, really quickly. I think that our, um, spaces when we changed the because we used to do them at night time so in North America we were yeah we were doing them every Friday night and when we switched to the daytime I believe we noticed a healthy amount of growth and more audience members could attend yeah because the the stage where NFT works is that we're just trying to figure out sort of because we've done about like three Twitter spaces and we're trying to get into the routine where we do it sort of weekly um and try and make it recurring and like you said about consistency it's great we're just trying to sort of figure out the right time zone because we're kind of all over the shop you know we're in uae we're in europe we're in america so we're trying to find the right time zone that can sort of um accommodate to sort of kind of almost everyone because it, it is quite so obviously i'm from switzerland i'm from i'm from europe it is very difficult to join like a lot of american spaces with your guys's time zones so when you guys decide to like host things at night that's like three four o'clock in the morning for me do you know what i mean so it can be quite difficult to sort of join spaces when you're in europe so we're trying to create an alternative space where americans obviously can join maybe in the morning or during the day but then europeans and, and uae people can also join um like in the evening or at night and, and not be you know penalized for for the place where they live if that makes sense i think it also um makes a difference like whether it's a popular time for spaces um so i think just experimenting with the time and seeing what works is best because i've noticed that you know if there's a lot of other spaces going on at the same time that people are interested in then you get less people in it um and so i think sarah and emma friday mornings is perfect because you know u.s time because there's not a lot of other spaces going on so this was a really good um choice but you know you can't really uh know that until you start trying it and seeing you know whether people are coming and i also think consistency because like the spaces that you know i can rely on being at a certain time every week i know that i can be there whereas when they're just kind of random i usually end up missing them i don't know that they're happening um, and so that's a lot harder. So for me personally, I think, you know, experimenting until you find a good time, but then having it consistent at that time helps for people to be able to join. I agree. You pick, I feel like you pick the time and you stick with it. And even things um, like it's really common here for spaces and I'm not going to um, point out who is mastermind behind this but it can be really common when spaces go on for like oh man six eight hours at times and it just just rattles my 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 mind so you can also train people like this is the time the space starts and this is the time that it ends so show up <laughs> it's happening and eventually they catch on just like arwen said she likes that it's predictable she knows when the space is going to be happening so be very very consistent with your times and your days that you're doing it and you will notice your own little community comes in because they expect it yeah i was yeah, gonna... oh go ahead stephanie 
So I was just going to yeah, piggyback off like what the girls have said, like once you find it, the consistency, because um, then people like know when to show up versus the ones that are random, like Arwen says, you don't know. And you miss half of them because you don't know, you know, when they're going on. But like Meta Jungle, like, I kind of know when all their spaces are going to happen. And, you know, if I'm available, I can jump in and like, you know, Sarah, you know, with the Miyamo Matt thing, like the spaces are, you know, certain days, same time. So you just like know when they're going to happen. And if you're available, you know, you hop in versus like, the random ones, but we'll definitely take like some time to find the consistency of like when a good time is like, I feel like around this time is a good time to have a space. And then like our time, like late in the evening is like a good time. Cause then you'll also can catch like the other side of the world, you know, sometimes at that time. So it does take some time to kind of figure out like when the good time is. And like Arwen said, like if there's a bunch of spaces going on, especially if like someone big is hosting a space and sometimes it can be hard to get people in but, like, over time, like, Sarah and them said, like, you'll get, like, your little community of people that will just always, like, come in that space. And then, like, slowly it will start to grow because those people will start to talk about the space and, you know, share it with, like, you know, their friends. And then that space will just continue to, like, grow, you know, steadily over time. Yeah, I think especially with how horrible the space bar is now, it's important to have the consistent times because, I mean, I can't find spaces even when I'm looking for them. I'm scrolling through that space bar trying to figure out what's going on. And it's almost impossible. So for now, I've mainly just been joining the ones that either I know they're happening at a certain time or like I see someone tweet about it in advance and I set the reminder um, because I just, I don't know how to use that space bar. It tells me that the same person is speaking in like five different spaces, which obviously isn't true. Um, it's just really, I wish Twitter would fix it. Another thing too is, you know, people are going to join your space if they really want to, like speaking from experience here, I'm literally at my day job right now and I'm on spaces. Why? Because I mean, I've got the time to do it and I mean, I'm, I'm luckily able to do it without any problem. But like, you know, when you get those loyal people, they're going to show up regardless. So just kind of build that too. Like, you know, if you got a strong community, like they said, people will definitely flock towards your space regardless. Like as soon as I see Meta Jungle come on, I'm pretty much right there. And, you know, it's just kind of just, building on that too and don't really worry too much about it because it's another thing as well you don't want to stress yourself over like oh i'm not we're not getting these amount of listeners and this space this time doesn't work or whatever but it's like like they said just experiment and don't stress too much and just really enjoy the journey yeah i i, I agree with what everything's been said guys thank you guys so much it's been uh, really insightful no because so NFT works, they've sort of brought me in as the marketing intern and they've kind of just given me this this Twitter account, which is great because we've got about a 10K following. But what I realized as soon as I got it, so I've been working with them for like a month. What I realized as soon as I got it is their following is quite dead. They've got about 10,000 followers and they've got a lot of dead dead followers that, that, that don't sort of interact with the account. And now what I'm trying to do is trying to build that interaction up from the ground and build what, what, what you guys are talking about, which is sort of loyal custom, like loyal followers that will sort of come into the space, have a conversation. Because it, it is difficult when you start out on, because on, I join a variety of Twitter spaces on my personal account. Like I join spaces with like 
five people in it. I join spaces with 200 people in it. It really depends on which space I'm joining. I don't, I don't really care about the numbers. I, I just go in for, for the conversation. You know what I mean? And, and NFT was, we posted about three and it's been, it's been sort of, yes, small, about five, five to eight people at max. But what I'm finding difficult is when, when you have, when you're starting off with a small space, I feel like you kind of have to have sort of a structure, sort of a, a topic, a, not script, but yeah, you need to know kind of what you're talking about when you've got just you and maybe your team in there and maybe two or three followers but when it gets to sort of a size like this where you've got a big group and you've got a random person that you never talked to like nft works for example come up into the speaker panel and kind of create its own topic it kind of just flows naturally and that's what i want to get to with nft works which is sort of we have a space where discussions can happen you know, randomly, and it can be about anything Web3. And, and you know, it's all about building community. It's, it, it, it's th th we do sort of similar to what, what you guys do is we tr we're trying to build the Web3 space, we're trying to make it bigger. So our target demographic might not be uh, that guy that's got 10,000 NFTs and he's, he's doing all right for himself. It'll be that artist who's a sculptor and she's absolutely amazing and she wants help 3D modeling that to make her own NFT collection. So, you know, th those are the sort of people we're trying to target. We're trying to target artists or, or, or art collectors who are really interested in sort of unique art unique ways of sort of expressing sort of modern contemporary you know movements and stuff and it's, it's difficult because it's in hindsight it's almost kind of never been done before we're kind of tapping into a new market here so it, it's hard to sort of navigate around that but yeah that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to build sort of a a strong community of people and all my all my goal is now like you, you got you guys say don't worry about numbers and i totally agree i'm not really worried about numbers what i'm worried about right now when creating a space is discussion i want the discussion to flow because i have it i have a time cap as well i, I say our, our our space will start at a certain time and, and i try to make it finish at another time and i have like allocated time i'm quite an organized person i really like the newsletters and everything but um I, yeah that that's what I'm trying to do, and and your guys's um sort of um opinions and stuff has been really helpful, and thank you so much. It's really it's really useful to come in this space and for people to be so open about how they've sort of built it and how they built the community. Because then in hindsight, it helps me, you know, sort of build my community, and then we can sort of work together and stuff, and it's great. But thank you guys so much. Thank you. I just wanted to quick before we uh, carry on, I just wanted to quickly jump in because I looked at your account and like looked at your spaces I think when you're if I can offer you a, a little bit of advice I think with your spaces how you name them like it's just too broad so I'm looking at it and I don't really know what we're going to be talking about it's like nfts crypto web web3 so for us what we do with our spaces is like pick a hot topic at you know at the time whatever that is so i we don't have it in the title but we really wanted to focus on open editions for this one space so rather than saying okay we're going to talk about nfts today you know that's just too broad we're going to we narrow it down to like one little specific subject and we change it up each week so that that was just i looked at your account and that was just my observation the titles of your spaces are just a little bit too confusing like i feel you could simplify them and that might draw more people in because they'll be like oh okay that's what they're talking about i'm interested that i'm going to come in on that because there is so many spaces like big massive ones that cover nfts and crypto and i think those ones are just way too overwhelming right now for artists for photographers it's that's just like a huge topic yeah like even if you just missed like the past week or two a lot of people are probably like 
just didn't see this whole open editions thing. Remember one day I just opened up Twitter and I just started seeing so many different people doing these open editions, like Tyler's Journey and a, and a few others. And I'm just like, what 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 is this? It's out of nowhere. And then you know I, I went and looked and it's like um, there's a lot of actually ETH value generated in in some of these open editions that he did. And I'm like, oh wow, I didn't know that uh, it would operate like this. So I think that's I think that's really smart and having like. Um, kind of that hot topic of the week because it, it would it would want me to join in and just like try to listen to what the pros and cons were of that as I was just trying to figure it out on my own. But yeah, hi everyone. Hi Mike. <laughs> We've got the AMA starting soon, don't we? <laughs> yeah, I want yeah, I wanted to be in here, but like the um, there was like really elaborate questions this week. Some people wrote like paragraph questions and stuff. So I was just like studying the artist for a while. Just kind of listening in uh, on here. But um, yes, a great space. Glad you could join us. And yes, we do. Um, it's This has been a great conversation. And I hope that the topic with open editions has been something that's helped people. Because um, exactly like you said, we do seem to see these things happening within the space that all of a sudden it's like every, you know, there's a lot of activity there, a lot of attention given to these different topics. So um, glad that we've had a chance to kind of come together and talk about the usage of how some people are using these particular, you know, this particular tool. Because also, it's always good, I think, in my opinion, to have a chance to talk about it. So if there are things that it seem to be kind of trends or something that is really popular for people to be able to kind of dissect it and decide whether it fits for their journey and not feel like they're being left out of something that others are doing that they might be missing the boat on. But, you know, coming together, talking about why people are doing it, what success they're seeing, what reasoning they're seeing. Because even like you said, Mike, you know, if they start trading on the secondary, if that's something that... You you know, is going to meet a goal, if it's reaching a larger base, if that's a goal of yours, like what, why are people making this decision? And, and Walid was great in offering his contribution as well, that even having bots become involved, you know, and, and if that is helping you reach your, you know, if that is actually holding you back from reaching your goal and other things we can do with them in the future and being able to, you know, kind of have a, a trusted group that we can talk amongst one another and share those ideas is awesome. Um, so I hope that that's been something that has been helpful for um, for our listener group this morning. And also um, being able to, I know we will probably be wrapping up here shortly because I know that that is um, something too that we've talked about this morning is knowing kind of when we'll be starting and when we'll be ending. And a lot of times we keep this space to about two hours um, and we have our artist feedback AMA that's going to be kicking off in the Meta Jungle Discord, um, which, um, which Sabode and Mike are both going to be our co-hosts today. So I know it will be an excellent session. I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, but also we'd see if anyone has any other questions or feedback they have on the open edition topic for today. I mean, I guess I was wondering since I, you know, I wasn't able to be here for a lot of it. If you guys, if someone can do like a quick wrap up of, you know, the pros versus the cons, if it can be done quickly, that'd be cool. Oh man, that's tough. Because our we had like two <laughs> conversations. We had two conversations going. Like we had one, okay, we had the one about like the open editions, but then we also had a conversation going, which I think was a lot more people had a lot more to say about um, how 
we stay connected as like artists and collectors via is it through like group dm chats or is it through discord and then obviously in my case it is email list so we had that conversation as well so they were both kind of running alongside each other i i emma had a good point about like open editions and like um i can't sorry don't quote me word for word but using them as a way to stay connected with the artist Oh, that makes sense. In the end, was there more pros to, to cons? I mean, I guess a pro, pros could be, um, I guess, with open editions or what I've actually been seeing even more late than lately than that is free mint, um, which I believe is also open edition because it's a free mint that um, scarcity is sort of removed in a situation like that. But then at the same time, you're in more people's uh, wallets and does it necessarily mean that your art should be worth less that you consider it to be worth less prop? I think probably, probably not. Right. Because it's intentional that you're, you're putting it out as a, as a free mint and that you have, a, I think you'd have to already like also know and gauge what your following is. Right. So like someone like Tyler's journey, who could sort of do something like that. Cause he's, um, sort of had a legacy collection from the beginning here and he's built a very, very large following. So, um, he could actually get a lot of people to participate in that, which makes sense. But if you go and do like, um, I guess an, uh, an open edition and not many of it really, uh, really sell, but there's a few that sell and you can't get those back to kind of cancel what you've already done. Um, then maybe it could be, uh, damaging in some sense. So I guess it's gauging your, uh, your audience and knowing how, how many people there are that are going to participate. And I think, too, that was something that that we talked about was really it kind of goes in hand, hand in hand with so much of what we talk about is like having a plan for what you want to accomplish, what your goal is and using this just like so many other opportunities as a tool. So if your goal is to create that larger base, you know, designing it in a way in which maybe your pricing um, reflects that the availability reflects that, but also looking at maybe a bigger picture as well as, you know, a mechanism that if you want to utilize those additions for something in the future or if you're planning to burn them or have a reason to decrease the supply of that addition um, for you know some other participation in your within your ecosystem you know ways in which you want to utilize that to reach the goal of you know if it is creating an, a revenue source if it's creating a larger collector base like what are you wanting to accomplish and maybe designing that as an opportunity to do so if it's reaching more people and having you know not limiting the liquidity that that person may have to, you know, to acquire one of your pieces, then utilizing it for that reason. But really, what do you want to accomplish with the tool instead of just doing it because maybe everybody else is doing it as well? But that, you know, what do you want to accomplish and what are some other ways in which you can design what you're doing to be able to reach that goal? I'm like a broken record. That's what I always, that's what I always talk about. huh? <laughs> no, but that, that makes a lot of sense as to like, um, you know, doing it because you have sort of like a, a reason behind it instead of seeing like, Oh, everybody's doing this. Um, and it's working out for them. So like, let me jump in and do it rather than that. You see someone do it and you say, okay, well this person did it and they don't really have anything that they're doing with this for the future. But I saw another person do it and they're giving rewards to people who own 10 of the open editions. 
and airdropping something to them. And then so you can look at that and say, okay, um, well, how can I do it? How does it work best with, with my work where I can have some type of reward system? And so it's not like, you know, it's not like, um, like, uh, like, like, you know, copying from other artists, but, um, seeing, seeing what they're doing, how it works, and then, uh, using what you've learned to apply to your own work in a, in a, in a different way is probably the best to do it, like in a different way that works best for you. And if you could figure that out and the people are happy with that reward system and they see that there's like intention behind it and honesty and, they like the work, then it could be a really good thing. So yeah, I think I agree with that completely intention. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, that with that planning process, um, you know, something Stoic had mentioned that I appreciate is like that way in which you can involve your, you know, your, your supporters from that point forward. And so with your edition, you know, if you're doing something where you're wanting to create that with, with an open edition or with a free mint, that you don't also have to necessarily lay out all of the plans initially. Like you can have it available and then, you know, reward those, just like you said, if you've collected 10 or if you've done this, like ways in which you can have kind of that added value after the fact where you're, it feels more like a reward and it's something that you may have had planned out from, from the get go and you may even tease a little bit throughout the process but you don't have to say if you do this you're going to get this if you do this you're going to do this but it can be kind of a fun way of of being able to really build that relationship with those that might participate at a different level than some others um and so knowing that then you're I, I agree with Stoic. There is a great way of being able to add value and like reward people or really show that appreciation for your supporters along the way. And this could possibly be one of those opportunities of doing that. And you don't have to lay that out from the get go and say, this is what you're going to get, but being able to kind of create that opportunity as we move forward in the space. And by, I know Mike, you've got to start the AMA. So <laughs> thank you. And I know it's going to be a great one. We'll be over there soon. <laughs> And Arwen, you are ready. You are welcome to take the mic. Oh, I was just going to say I'm going to step down to listener because um, I'm leaving today on a road trip. And I have to start packing and getting ready to go. So I'm not going to be able to be as attentive. Um, but thank you for the great space. I always rush home from dropping my daughter off on Friday so that I can be here at the beginning. Um, so I'm happy that you had it today. We always love having you with us, Arwen, um, and really appreciate all that you contributed as well. And I hope you have a wonderful trip this weekend. Thank you. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to step down too, actually. Unfortunately, work is calling and things are requiring more attention than I'd like. So I'm going to drop down as well. But thanks again, everybody. I appreciate you all. You all matter. Your work matters. It's been awesome being on the space. I appreciate every one of you. Thanks for all your thoughts and perspectives. And just I'm here if anyone needs anything. So I'll keep listening. I think we are pretty much at the point where we're shutting down the space anyways. And how it like, it's interesting. We had this conversation because for like our space that we put on, it does seem to be, it kind of caps out at two hours. And I think that's a great time. It's like, it allows people to still be able to listen to the recording and 
we had a plenty full conversation today. So that was good. Learned a lot of stuff. And thank you everyone for coming up and chatting with us. I completely agree. Um, it's definitely been a great conversation and um, we do like to continue the conversation. So if anyone has any feedback or questions that come up this week leading into next week, definitely bring those topics back up. Um, we are here every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Everyone's invited to come over to the Meta Jungle Discord at this time. We're starting our artist feedback AMA. So we give critiques, um, honest feedback from experienced photographers in the space. So great session, both for artists and for collectors, kind of establishing some best practices and talking about curating. Um, always a really interesting conversation. Um, we'll have our um, chat and share space on Monday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time here on the Meta Jungle channel. And then we'll also have our space this Sunday. That was way out of order on the chronological order, guys. Sorry about that. But we'll be have AMA now. We'll have Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time for our uh, Meta Jungle radio session. And then we'll have Monday for our chat and share and then next Friday here again with Sarah. And um, so yeah, that's what we have going on for this next week. I hope everybody has a wonderful week weekend. Appreciate the opportunity to come together and chat and share. And thank you guys for being here. Keep getting out there and creating and we will see you all soon.